This is good old boy Mike from Sips, Suds, and Smokes podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 134, Cover Songs. I'm Chris McBride, that's Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. You'll find me on Twitter at C and you will find Derek on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM. And of course, popgoesyourworld.com is our website with all of our contact information. So make sure you reach out to us. Derek, what's going on in pop culture in your world, my friend? Hey, Chris. Uh, well, I had a chance to watch a couple of older movies, as we've mentioned in the last few shows. Uh, we're currently getting a lot of free movie channels from our cable provider, and we're getting a lot of classic films, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. So getting to see a lot of stuff that maybe I hadn't seen before and always wanted to or haven't seen in a long time. So saw a few. Some didn't hold up quite as well as, as I remembered. So first one on my list was The Secret of My Success starring Michael J. Fox. Do you remember this one from the 80s? I do remember it, and you're going to hate me. I have actually never seen that movie, believe it or well, not. I, I remember I remember it not I, being very good or something. Well, so. I remember uh. seeing the theater as a young person and thinking, oh, yeah, that was fine. And one of the things that always stuck with me with the reviews was they said, oh, this is uh, of all the movie roles Michael J. Fox had had at that point. They're like, this is the one where he's the most like Alex Keaton from Family Ties, which is where how most people knew him. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, yeah, this shows this movie's great. And then I watched it again. And I'm like, hmm. It's okay. It's not. It's certainly not great. But is um, it just that it doesn't hold up after all these years or it just wasn't good to begin with? No, it was – I would say it was sort of like average. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It had some good parts. It had some less than good parts. There were certainly some things that don't hold up as much. Um, but one thing I didn't remember at all was um, one of the female lead characters in the movie is the woman who was in Major League as the woman who owned the Cleveland Indians that was trying to move them. She oh, plays nice. his aunt who he he uh, meets in the movie. And I was like, yes. oh, my God. I, I It's like – as soon as I heard her voice, I was like, oh, my God, that's the woman from Major League. So, so that was interesting. But, yeah, not not a great rewatch. Um, a movie I watched that I had never seen before, also from the 80s, Less Than Zero. Have you seen Less Than Zero? I have not. I've heard of it. Is it like James Spader? Uh, yeah, it's it's Robert Downey Jr. and like yeah. half the cast of Pretty in Pink. And, okay. uh, it, again, I really didn't know much about it other than some of the big 80s names that were in the cast. It, not great. Didn't really love it. I uh, I got like two thirds of the way through and I'm like, oh, my God, this is so boring. Nothing's happening. So then I just sort of fast forwarded to the end. I'm like, don't care. Would not recommend. Although I heard the book is excellent. But again, maybe it's just the time in which it was written. Yeah, I and, remember when it came out and kind of around that time in the 80s and it just didn't appeal to me for whatever reason. I just it wasn't a movie that I wanted to see. So I never did and still haven't seen it. Yeah, no, I uh, I'm with you on that one. It wasn't one that was on my list, but it came up on the free channels, so I'm like, hey, you know what? For free, why not? I'll throw it on the recorder and see what happens next. Um, the last one on my list is uh, a movie from the 2000s called Waitress. It's got uh, it stars. Sorry, I can't remember the girl. Carrie Russell. And Carrie Russell. I remember from Felicity. Yeah, and Nathan I remember Fillion. Um, 
it's uh, so basically it's about a uh, a woman played by Carrie Russell who's a waitress who has like this talent for making these exceptionally good pies. And at the beginning of the movie, she finds out she's pregnant. She's in an abusive relationship. The husband is very abusive, and she finds out she's pregnant. She doesn't really want the baby, but she you know she wants she wants the baby, but she doesn't like that now she's having a baby with this abusive husband because she was planning to leave him anyway. And then her OBGYN retires, and the person who replaces her is Nathan Fillion, and so they meet right at the beginning and they end up having this affair and uh it was it was just a good light-hearted romantic comedy uh uh you know with a with a positive message uh, a lot of you know girl power in it like she she obviously was aware that she was in this abusive relationship and and through the help of her friends and 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 through her own self-esteem eventually ends up uh confronting the husband and leaving him it's got um oh what's the old dude's name andy griffith in one of his last movie roles um as uh, just a crotchy old man who comes to the diner, who the waitress befriends, and who nobody else likes, and uh, yeah, it was it was actually pretty good. of the Of the movies that I just talking about, this is the one I would certainly recommend the most. Uh, the performances were good. It was a cute little movie, and uh, not really my kind of movie, but uh, my wife's seen it a few times and has always spoken highly of it. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. The waitress from two thousand and seven. Oh, nice. I'll have to maybe check that out at some point. Actually, no, you know what, two thousand and seven. Is after 1989, so, uh, you know, I'll never watch it. Tell your wife to watch it, buddy. She <laughs> might like it. That's what I'll do. Uh, I, I mentioned before I've transitioned from cool dad to embarrassing dad. So once Wait, you were cool dad? You were cool dad? When was that again? Yeah, apparently my kids used to think I was cool. Go figure. Okay. I don't okay. know what the heck they were thinking, but they don't think that anymore. Now I'm the embarrassing guy. So I'd like to kick off the show once again with our newest segment. Here's your... Dad joke of the week. Okay, so here it is. Derek, did you hear about the rock group called Duvet? No, I did not. They were a cover band. Your head counselor. I did not enjoy this anymore the second time. <laughs> What's going on? What's wrong? Never seen it. Oh, Never wow. interested in seeing it. No desire to see it. Was not interested at all. Okay, well, I paid $200 for these shoes, but I mean, on the best. It's certainly tame by today's standards. There's a very fat pair of pants hanging from the flagpole this morning. It is not something I think I ever need to see again. Oh! Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Okay, so how appropriate that I dropped that awful dad joke on us because we're going to be talking about cover songs this week. Uh, and so we decided, it's our top five list this week, and we decided to take a look at cover songs, some of our favorite cover songs, personally. You know, and I know I've been accused of, you know, giving textbook answers in the past. This week, I'm going to try and get away from that somewhat. I think there's one in there that's going to qualify as a textbook answer, but the rest of them are very personal for me. These are my personal favorite cover songs of all all time. I thought this was a great uh, idea. I, Derek, I believe it was your idea to come up with this topic for the show. Yeah, we uh, we had been talking about this at work like, geez, must have been right after Christmas. I don't know how we got on this topic. We started talking about cover songs. And in my office, we have people who are, you know, closer to our age in their late 40s, early 50s. And we have some people that are very young, like early 20s, right out of school. And so when we talk about things like movies and TV shows and music in the office, you get very different ideas about what is great. Uh, much like with some of the early shows with you and Yancey, right? You, you're different generations. You come at things differently. And when we start talking about cover songs, the younger generation was surprised at how many of the songs my buddies and I listed that were covers that they had no idea were covers. 
And so we that just sort of got us talking. And I think I mentioned to you, I'm like, Chris, this would be a good future topic. So I'm glad we're finally getting around to it. And this is going to be role reversal week because a lot of my answers are absolutely the textbook. In. I think my, my one, two, three are probably arguably the best three cover songs you're going to get. Like you ask people, what are the best cover songs ever? Now, I, got, I pretty much got textbook answers. My first couple are a little more personal, but uh, you know, I'm glad that you said yours were less textbooky. I think there's less chance of some overlap. So. This should be interesting because you yeah. always accuse me of being the textbook guy. So this no, is really I'm textbook cool. guy tonight. So. so we want to go through our top five list. We'll start at five and go up to number one. Do you want to kick us off with anything? Do you have any honorable mentions or anything? You want to get right into five? What do you want to do? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I do have one honorable mention. And okay, I'm actually, what is it? My, my honorable mention is a band. So I want to give an honorable mention to the band, the Pet Shop Boys, from the who were, you know, first started out in the 80s. Yes. They have done a number of cover songs over the years, many uh, released as singles and charted mm-hmm. on the radio or, or online. Uh, three exceptionally good cover songs, in my opinion, uh, are – Always on my mind, which was yeah. originally done by Elvis Presley. Right, where the streets have no name, which was originally done by U two, and Go West, originally done by the Village People. So three really strong covers, really interesting takes on classic songs by very well known artists, and the Pet Shop Boys gave it their personal spin. So my my honorable mention is to the Pet Shop Boys as a band for I, creating their own identity as a band and then still being able to borrow from other great artists and put their own spin on three really great songs from really great artists and not lose themselves in becoming just a band that does covers. So that's that's a, that's a good one. I thought that um, their version of always on my mind was really good. They changed the arrangement in it, but yeah. uh, it was really good. And, and the thing is, is that, that, that's a good example of a band that that takes an original song, like like a, a previous song, and does a cover of it, but puts their own style into it because it still sounded like a Pet Shop Boys song. Oh yeah, for sure. But oh, that's a good one. I like that one. Okay, so you got, do you want to? Got an honorable mention? Or you want me to jump into my number five? Uh, I can do my honorable mention if you want. Um, yeah, why don't you do your honorable mention? My wife and I disagree on this one. I was a big metalhead back in the eighties. I know that's hard to believe. One of my favorite bands back then was a Canadian band out of Kitchener called Helix. Do you remember them, Caveman? Give me an R! Yeah! Oh, Rock you! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. You, for sure. Well, they also did a slow song called Make Me Do Anything You Want. Sure they did. And it was actually a cover song from A Foot in Cold Water, which is another Canadian band that originally did that, that song back in 1972. So at the time when this when they when Helix came out with this, I didn't even know it, that it was a cover song. And it wasn't until years later that I heard the original. And then I remember thinking, hey, someone's doing a cover of a Helix song. And as it turns out, I had it backwards uh, because Helix was covering them. But anyway, I, I didn't put this in on, on my list. Um Probably just because I was introduced to the Helix one first. So that's the one that I'm used to. Um, it's not so much that it was better than the original. It's just in, I guess, in my bias. Uh, it, you know, I, that's the song that I heard first. So it didn't make my list. But my wife also seems to think that the original is way better than Helix one. So so what do I know? So just with, the, with everything going on, I decided to leave it off. But I, I always liked that Make Me Do Anything You Want by Helix. I thought it was a good song. So before we jump in the list, then I want to mm-hmm. I want to bring this up because I was going to wait till after, but you know, good sure. segue. My experience, my personal experience, and a lot of people I've talked to feel this way: if a song has multiple versions, you have an original and a cover. Most people tend to think the version that they heard first is the better version, whether it's the original or the new one. 
And I got to be honest, in most of the cases, uh, when I hear a song, if it's a cover of a song I already know, I go, not as good as the original. But when I find out a song I like is a cover and I go back, I go, oh, that original is nowhere near as good. Now, do you do you sort of feel the same way? The version you've heard first is the one you tend to feel is your favorite? That's a good question. I would say no. Uh, with okay. the, the Helix song notwithstanding, because I would say at least probably three of my f- top five list tonight, I heard the originals first, and I like the covers better. Okay. Okay. And well, even even that a- Pet Shop Boys song that you mentioned, I had mm-hmm. obviously heard uh, always on my mind. I think I remember hearing Willie Nelson's version of say, it. Uh, yeah, that's me too. The Willie Nelson version is the version I heard first. But hearing the Pet Shop Boys one afterward, I like the Pet Shop Boys one better. So, and I would say probably three of my top five, we'll have to see as we get into it. Uh, I would say just off the top of my head, three of them, I heard the originals first and I like the covers better. So so I would say no. Yeah. So as we go through our list, let's, let's add that to sort of our description. Is this the version you heard first? And if you like it better or worse than the original kind of thing, because just because it's a good cover doesn't necessarily mean you like the cover more than the one you, you heard first. Right. So yeah, we'll bring that in. All right. So we're going to jump right in here. My number five. Your number five. What do you got? All right. Uh, I'm going to apologize for the mispronunciation right off the bat. So my cover song is Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Now, I'm sure you are familiar with the original performed by Judy Garland in uh, The Wizard of Oz. Of course, yes. The cover is by a Hawaiian musician named – oh, my God. Here we go. I even wrote it out phonetically so I could try and get this. Kamake V – pardon me. His first name is Israel and his last name is Kamake V. Voihole. I hope. Anyway, uh, so this uh, this artist is no longer with us. He was a exceptionally large Hawaiian gentleman. I think they said he was over a thousand pounds when he died. And I think when he recorded this, he was somewhere in the 600 pound range. Like this guy was a monster, humongous. And this version of the song is just him with a ukulele performing somewhere over the rainbow. And he gives it that sort of Hawaiian music style twist to it. Um, it was, uh, released as a single, it was recorded in the nineties, but it was released as a single in 2004. It actually reached number 12 on the billboard charts and it has become exceptionally popular because, uh, it has been used in a lot of movies. Uh, Universal Studios originally had the rights to it and they first used it in the movie Meet Joe Black starring Brad Pitt. And then from there, it has been used in other movies, including Finding Forrester, 51st Dates with Adam Sandler, Fred Claus, Happy Happy, The Healer, and in an IMAX movie about the Hubble 3D telescope. It's also been used on TV. It's been in shows like Charmed, ER, Scrubs, Cold Case, Glee, and the UK version of the show Life on Mars. It's been used in lots and lots of things. It's it, it Now, the original is great. Don't get me wrong. I love The Wizard of Oz. I like the – like Judy Garland certainly can and could – well, could. She's no longer with us. She could sing. Um, but this version just – brings a little something different to it. And one of the things that I always found makes, in my opinion, always makes a great cover is, are you just trying to sound like the original? In which case, who cares? I can just listen to the original. Or are you going to put your own spin on it? Something that makes it yours, even though it was written and originally performed by somebody else. And this, this is as far away as, as you can come. You basically took what was a show tune uh, and you've turned it into like this, this, well, not instrumental, but this this Hawaiian – again, like think of a ukulele. Like that's not the kind of musical accompaniment you would expect with a pop culture kind of song. But uh, if people can't think of it off the top of their head, just type somewhere over the rainbow, uh, ukulele or uh, Israel. I'm not going to say – just type IZ. That was the name of the album. It was on the letter I, the letter Z. And uh, yeah, it's it's 
heartwarming it's emotional like you listen to it and it's this kind of song you would almost think it's played at like a funeral in, in many of these movies and tv shows that's the sort of scene that it was played in is usually like a funeral or something where somebody is going to see someone for the last time and it almost like brings a tear to your eye every time you hear it it's a beautiful rendition of of this classic song so that's my number five doing this podcast educates me there's so many new things i tell you <clears throat> because while, while you were mentioning that i'm thinking i've never heard of this before I, I obviously know Somewhere Over the Rainbow from, you know, Wizard of Oz, but never heard of this guy's thing. So I went and Googled it, and he's the first one that comes up. How does he come up ahead yeah. of Judy Garland? It just goes goes to show. Yeah. I no, I've, believe me, Chris, you're going to listen to it. You're going to hear like three seconds ago, oh, I've heard this in movies, or I, I know this from a TV show. I'd be shocked if you've never heard it hmm. before once you listen to it. So that's oh. my number five. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, my number five. Total Eclipse of the Heart by the Dan Band. Okay, so let me explain this one. Have you seen the movie Old School from 2000? Yes, I just watched it a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so you know the scene when they're at Frank the Tank's wedding, when Will yes. Ferrell gets married, and there's yes. a wedding band playing at the reception, and they start playing Total Eclipse of the Heart, which is, of yes. course, Bonnie Tyler's song from 1983. It was a huge hit. It spent like yeah. four I'm not weeks. a big fan of it. Yeah, it was a really pretty good song. It's like I say, it was a number one song for you know like a month. And Bonnie Tyler, she also went on to do "Holding Out for a Hero" in the movie Footloose, but she's always going to be known for this song, "Total Eclipse of the Heart." Now, so for those of you that have seen the movie Old School, the band at the wedding plays this song, and the band is actually a real life band called the Dan Band, and they're this comedy band that was also in. The Hangover, and they were in The Terminal, and I think they were in Starsky and Hutch, too. And they made appearances on like late-night talk shows like Jimmy Kimmel and Jay Leno. And I think they once even put out a Christmas album. And anyway, but their rendition of Total Eclipse of the Heart is it's just something I just love it. So in, in the wedding scene in old school, they play this song much to the dismay of the people in the audience because they throw several profanities into the song. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. like, I need you now, tonight. I need you more than ever. And the first time I saw the movie, I almost fell off my chair from laughing. I just love that scene so much. And so it's my number five cover song of all time. The Dan Band doing Total Eclipse of the Heart. All right. I can see why we uh, definitely don't have some overlap on that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just love it. I just, it makes me laugh. I love it. All right. Uh, my number four is Smooth Criminal by Alien Ant Farm. So oh, that's smooth, a good one. Oh, Smooth Criminal, yeah. uh, as I would hope everybody knows, is originally performed, written, performed by Michael Jackson. I believe he wrote it anyway. Performed by Michael Jackson. It was on his album bad in 1987 it was a huge hit uh the original bad made it to number seven on the billboard charts and it was the sixth top 10 single released on the bad album can you imagine that he released an album they put out 10 songs from the album and six of the 10 songs made the made made six of the songs made the top 10 like that's just they were so good wow michael jackson like no one like him uh anyway in 2001 the uh alt rock band Alien Ant Farm did a cover of Smooth Criminal. And uh, it was a huge success. It reached number one in Australia and New Zealand. It reached number three in the UK. It reached number one in the US on the modern rock charts. It was a legitimate hit. You could argue because it hit number one and number three, it did better than the original. Again, times change and the way they calculate these charts change. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's better than the original, but this is another example where the artist – has taken a great song 
and put their own spin on it. And believe me, if you're going to cover a Michael Jackson song, you need to you really got to seriously ask yourself, like, do we really think we're better than Michael Jackson? Like, are we doing the right thing here covering someone as famous as the king of pop? Yeah, you got to bring it. You know, you really have to feel confident in your version of this. And, And so when I did a little bit of reading, it said that they used to do this during live performances and during warm ups, because, again, they probably had the same thoughts that I just mentioned, like we like this song but we're not going to try and perform it in front of an audience. We're not Michael Jackson. Well, apparently because they were doing it in live performances so much and it got such a positive response, they eventually put it out as a single. And sure enough, it, it did very, very well. So like Alien Ant Farm is, again, I called them alt rock. So it's like they're, think like grunge, alternative rock sort of idea. And and that's the spin they put on the song. They took what was uh, like a an R&B slash pop song from Michael Jackson uh, and they've turned it into like a almost like a rock anthem kind of thing where it's a lot of heavy guitars. They sped up the song. It's they made it more of a heavy metal feel. And and again, you've got to put your own signature on it if you're going to cover it. And they did. And it really struck well with audiences at the time. And in my opinion, it deserves to be on this list. Smooth Criminal, Alien Ant Farm, my number four. I think that's pretty good. I like their version of that song, too. That was good. OK, my number four, Stuck in the Middle with You by Jeff Healy. This was originally performed by Steeler's Wheels in 1972. It was on their self-titled debut album. It was their only hit single. They were a one-hit wonder. And they only made two more albums after this. And this song had always just been kind of around for years. And then when Tarantino put out Reservoir Dogs and they played this song while Mr. Blonde uh, cut off the cop's ear in the warehouse, this song came back into the collective pop culture consciousness, right? Yep. Now... As for the cover, I've always been a huge Jeff Healy fan, not just because he's a fellow Canadian. He is one of the best guitarists, I believe, that ever lived. I think he was always like sort of almost criminally underrated, not just as a guitar player, but also as a songwriter and a singer. I think he had a very unique voice. And but, an actor. Come yeah, on, man. He that's was in true. Roadhouse. In Roadhouse, that's right. Uh, and and his guitar playing, though, is what really made him stand out. The fact he was blind and played his guitar in his lap. I mean, I played the guitar. I cannot fathom how someone could play a guitar like that and play it so well. Uh, anyway, uh, so in addition to his amazing original tunes that he had, like Angel Eyes and See the Light, the Jeff Healy Band did a lot of cover songs. And they actually had an album that was all covers. It was called Cover to Cover, appropriately. And their version of While My Guitar Gently Weeps on the album is really, really good. But his cover of Stuck in the Middle with You is probably my favorite song of his of all time. And he just takes this song that's it's a really good song in its own right. And he just kicks it up a notch by adding all these amazing guitar solos to it. If you haven't heard this version or if you haven't heard it for a while, I suggest you give it a listen. You can find it on YouTube and it's way better than the original. It's got this amazing guitar in it. And it's one of these songs that whenever it comes on the radio for me, I always turn it up. So it's my number four cover song of all time. Stuck in the Middle with You by Jeff Ely. I, I totally forgot that he even did that song. Yeah. I remembered uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And that's another one where that was the version of the song I heard first. And that's the version I like better. But that's just me. You anyway, heard the Jeff Healy version first before you heard the Beatles version is what you're saying? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, cool. I, I didn't really discover the Beatles until much, much later because I grew up in a house where it was all country music. So, mm. God. Mm. In any case, all right. Uh, Your number we'll three. To, my number three. So yes. now we're getting into textbook territory. Okay. So 
you ask the average music lover who's roughly our age, what are your favorite cover songs? This one makes their top five every time. It's You Really Got Me by Van Halen. Originally done by the Kinks, uh, released uh, uh, in the um, the 60s by the Kinks. And then, you know, a decade later, Van Halen covers it on their first album, self-titled Van Halen album. It's released as their first single, despite the band's uh, resistance and reluctance. Uh, they didn't feel that releasing a cover as their introduction to the world was the greatest move for them long term. But as it turned out, it became a huge hit and uh, it paved the way for for Van Halen to become a super mega awesome rock band. The uh, the original You Got Me, uh, You Really Got Me uh, made it to number seven on the Billboard charts in the US, it made it to number one in the UK. Uh, the Van Halen cover only hit to number 36 on Billboard. Uh, in the 1970s, but um, again, it it opened the door for Van Halen to have a musical career. Like this, this is the intro single for people who had never heard of them, who bought the album because of what they heard on the radio. This is what you heard. And now, when you hear this song, 99% of the time, when you hear it in movies or on the radio uh, or in commercials, this is the definitive version. It's it's exceptionally rare to hear the original anymore. Uh, one of my favorite memories of this cover version is um, there was a commercial, and for the life of me, I cannot remember what they were advertising, but it had G- a G.I. Joe doll driving around in like a kid's bedroom, and then Barbie ends up jumping in the G.I. Joe's command vehicle and driving away with them, and this Van Halen song is playing. And basically, it's like an idea of like Toy Story before the Toy Story movies. For the life of me, though, I can't remember what the ad was about. And the, the Van Halen You Really Got Me was playing, and it was just so perfect. It's it's a kind of song you want to hear when you're driving real fast. Like it's just – it's that late 70s, early 80s, what's now classic rock, the heavy guitar and the just the intro by the Van, the Eddie Van Halen intro on the guitar. It's just so great. So that's – this is my number three, You Really Got Me by Van Halen. That's a really good pick. I like that one. OK. I'm going to go with something that's kind of – you kind of mentioned Van Halen, which is almost kind of like it's hard rock, not heavy metal. I'm going into the heavy metal territory here. I'm going with Come On, Feel the Noise by Quiet Riot. Nice. So back in the early 80s, heavy metal was really popular. And and I should know, as I mentioned earlier, I was a metalhead at the time. I listened to a lot of heavy metal back then. And I remember when Quiet Riot came out with the their first North American album, it was Metal Health. Because the band actually formed back in 1973 with Randy Rhodes as a guitarist. Now, he later joined Ozzy when Ozzy went solo after he left Black Sabbath. But their first North American album was Metal Health in 1983. Like I say, they had released two albums uh, in Japan back in the 70s. But anyway, the time the album that this came out, heavy metal was pretty popular. And Quiet Riot was the first band that had an album go to number one on the Billboard chart, due mostly to the success of the single Come On, Feel the Noise. And it wasn't even an original song. It was originally written and recorded by a band called Slade back in 1973 the quiet riot version is way better i mean the original was okay but the quiet riot riot version was so good and it was really popular too it was so popular that the band knew that they owed a big part of their new new success that they found to slade so when they came out with their next album which was called condition critical the next year in 84 they did another slade cover mama we're all crazy now and the attention that slade got as a result of all these covers was that it basically revitalized their own popularity. And then Slade came up with a new album and they even had a new hit called run, run away. You remember that? 
Yes, I believe I do. See chameleon lying oh, yeah, there right. in the sun. All thanks to everyone. Run, run away. Run, run, yeah. Run. Yep. yeah. So, yeah. and that was just as a result of these cover songs that Quiet Riot was doing. You know, gave them some popularity again. But anyway, "Come On, Feel the Noise" by Quiet Riot was way better than the original. Uh, it was popular with a mass audience. It, it helped, with, I think, with the popularity of heavy metal back in the 80s. And it's one of my favorite cover songs of all time. Number three, to be exact. What do you got for number two? Nick. Uh, show note here then before we move on. While you were chatting, I, I managed to look up that You Really Got Me. Mm-hmm. The ad that I was just speaking of. Yes, the one was, with the G.I. Joe doll. Yep. Yes, it was, it was for the car company Nissan. And basically the G.I. Joe was driving around the kid's bedroom in the new Nissan 300ZX Turbo. Mm. And he goes to buy the Barbie dream house and Barbie jumps in the car. And Ken looks, looks on and waves like, oh, Barbie, where are you going? And it, I'm just reading a note here. It says uh, – for for in order to use this song, the the Nissan company gave every member of the band one of these cars as part of the payment <laughs> nice. for le- letting them use the song. So there you go. Hey, uh, af- after we're done, I'm gonna go back and watch the commercial because it's on YouTube. So. Very cool. All right. Yeah. All right. My number two. Number again, two. Textbook. And my number That's one okay. and number two, I kept flip flopping back and forth because they're both exceptionally good covers and arguably the best covers ever. Number two, Hurt by Johnny Cash. So Hurt was originally done by Nine Inch Nails, was released uh, on the uh, Downward Spiral album in 1995, Trent Reznor. It was uh, a pretty reasonable hit. I mean, that album had uh, um, a couple of other big songs whose names are escaping me right now. And um, it was a it was a huge album. And then, you know, seven years later, Johnny Cash covers it. And there was a little bit of of concern when Johnny Cash came to Trent Reznor and said, like, I want to cover this tune. The, Trent Reznor was a little concerned about the, the you know, how is this going to make me look? Am I a sellout by letting Johnny Cash do this? Like, is this just a stunt? But once he heard the version of how, how Cash put it together, like, Reznor was totally on board. And again, this was one of the one of the last big hits that Johnny Cash had before he died. And the song, for those who maybe aren't as familiar with it, Hurt is, it's a song about, uh, a heroin addict. It's about depression. It's about someone leaving a suicide note. Like it's not a happy song. Like it's you know the whole lyric is I hurt myself today. Like the guy is just uh, you know injecting himself with with uh, with drugs and and eventually dies. And the Reznor version is is this alternative industrial sound. It's got the typical Nine Inch Nails sound to it. But the Johnny Cash version is is much more subdued. It's almost like uh, he, he more like he almost speaks the lyrics instead of sings the lyrics in some parts. And it it gained this tremendous amount of um, of popularity in large part because of the video. And again, it, it, the video was this Johnny Cash, this old man who's lived this long life, uh, you know, who has had his own troubles with with drug use and addiction. And you just see like the withered old man singing this song about, you know, about depression and about addiction and, and about someone coming to the end of their life. And it paralleled where he was in his life. Cause it's like, not that he was suicidal, but it was pretty clear that, you know, he didn't have a lot of years left. And it was such a different version of what you had an alternative industrial song. And now it's technically, I guess you could call it a country song, although, you know, that's arguable, but the song itself, the cover, so the original hit at number eight on the billboard, which is pretty respectable. Uh, but the cover did like gangbusters. So it was awarded the country music association single of the year. It was the CMT's top video. It reached number one on the CMT's 100 greatest country music videos. It reached number one on the top 40 most memorable music videos and much music. Uh, 
the song what does it say here the song is also cash's sole chart entry on the billboard modern rock tracks chart where it reached number 33 and it was voted number one in something called up venues top 10 best music covers ever so a lot of people agree with me this arguably is the textbook answer hurt by johnny cash an insanely good cover absolutely deserves to be on this list that's my number two. Oh, well, there you go. <clears throat> when you first started mentioning it, and first of all, I'm not really familiar with this because it happened after 1989, of course, and I'm stuck in Gen X. And and I, I was thinking like, so you're telling me that I thought maybe that Johnny Cash did a song and Nine Inch Nails covered it, but it's the other way around. Yeah. So that's very interesting. So, yeah. Okay. The, the Beatles. I just want to just touch base on the Beatles for a second. They're, they are the greatest band that ever lived. They're the greatest band that ever will live. So it goes without saying, it's not easy to cover a Beatles song. It's even harder, I think, to cover it really, really well. And I think it's almost impossible to do a song even better than the Beatles did. But that's exactly what happened when Joe Cocker came out with his debut album back in 1969. The name of the album was With a Little Help From My Friends. The hit single from the album was a cover of the Beatles, With a Little Help From My Friends. And it was even better than the Beatles version that they did on Sgt. Pepper album two years before that. It wasn't the only cover song on Joe Cocker's album because the first song on it is Feelin' Alright, which is one of his best songs of all time. It's, it's, it's the one that John Belushi did with his Joe Cocker impression on SNL. But with a little help from my friends, it's just an amazing cover song as far as I'm concerned. It's got more of a bluesy arrangement to it, but it's visceral. It's emotional. Most Gen Xers remember it as the theme from the Wonder Years TV show. But all around, it's just a great, great song. And I know it's a bit of a textbook answer, I believe, but I think it's the number two cover song of all time, in my opinion. There you go. That's uh, Yeah, when you were like... This band covered the Beatles. It did a better job. I thought, oh boy, you're gonna, you really better watch what you say next. I'm like, <laughs> I know. So I, I agree that I would not necessarily agree that it was better, but it was certainly a great cover. Uh, not not one that I would have, uh, you know, remembered had you not prompted me. But yeah, as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh yeah, I totally do remember that. I really, um, I really believe it's better than the Beatles version. I really. So do. there was a movie in the '90s that I know you haven't seen, starring Sean Penn and Michelle Pfeiffer, and I believe it was called Sam I Am. And the music they used in the movie was all Beatles songs, but they couldn't get the rights to use any of them okay. because the Beatles wanted too much money. So they found a legal loophole. As long as it wasn't the Beatles performing the songs, they could use them. They had permission to do covers. So when they were making the movie and they were editing the movie, they used the real Beatles songs. And then when they found out they weren't going to get the – they weren't going to get permission. They're like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? So they reached out to a dozen popular artists of the time in the mid-90s and said, we want you to do a covers of a very specific Beatles song. And they went to each artist and said, we want you to cover this and you to cover this and you to cover this. The contingent was the, the, the beat and the rhythm has to be exactly the same as the original because that's what was in the movie. And so you got all these great covers from a lot of really popular artists – and and it was like basically like a Beatles greatest hits album and they were all these covers. And when you were started talking about 
oh, this is a Beatles cover. That's where I thought you were going to go with that. And I should have known better because it's the 90s. I knew you wouldn't have never heard of that one. But but if you're looking for Beatles covers, yeah, try and find the uh, the music, original music soundtrack for the movie Sam I Am starring Sean Penn. It's a, a dozen or so Beatles songs all covered by big artists from the 90s. It was quite good. One thing I can surprise you with uh, in regard to I Am Sam, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's the movie that uh, they were referencing that Robert Downey Jr. was referencing in Tropic Thunder. Have you ever seen Tropic Thunder? When he yes, did, yes. Yeah. That's I'm exactly pretty sure that was one. it. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's for sure the one. <laughs> so there yeah. you go. Yeah, we won't say what he said. No, we no, we won't have to do any more bleeps. It's, it's, yeah. Okay. My number one. Number one. Cover song okay. of all time. A little bit, little bit controversy because I don't know if this is going to fit in the category perfectly, but well, I think it try. does. Okay. And this is absolutely the number one. Greatest cover song ever, Walk This Way by Run DMC featuring Aerosmith. Oh, yes. I get, okay. Yeah, so, because it's them covering their own with it. With so, that, okay, that's, that's where there I think it qualifies. Area. So, I, I talked to a few people about this and they said, well, is it a cover because Aerosmith is actually performing in it? I'm like, yeah, but they're not performing the main parts. And then they're like, well, is it, how's it different from any other rap or hip hop song where it's being sampled? I'm like, it's definitely being sampled, but they're singing the original lyrics. So in my mind, that's a cover. They're not just borrowing the rhythm and rapping over top of it. They are rapping over top of it using the original lyrics. They didn't change any lyrics. So, so I feel this absolutely meets our criteria. Walk This Way, Run DNC featuring Aerosmith. Obviously, originally done by Aerosmith. The original um, only ever reached number 10 on the billboard, whereas the cover reached number four. It was released in 1986. This was – this is considered a, a, a landmark song for a lot of reasons. Um, it was the first mainstream overlap of rap, hip-hop, urban music with – popular rock and roll music, mainstream radio. You've got this merging of these two styles. And for a huge portion of the radio listening audience in America, especially places like middle America, this is the first time they ever heard rap in any way. And they heard it in a way that was somewhat familiar because many of them would have been familiar with Aerosmith, even though Aerosmith was not really a huge band at this point. They were sort of on the downswing of their career, but it it was this crossover of these two music styles in a way that had never been done before in a mainstream way. And it opened the door for, you know, the hip hop movement to come into mainstream radio. Now that's not to say that that would have happened anyway. Uh, you know, uh, with, with art, the culture will find a way for art, for good art to, to be disseminated to the masses. But this was a certainly a bringing the door and throwing it wide open. And it, it was, I think it was a lot of the right place at the right time kind of deal. I'm not necessarily saying that Run DMC deserves any more, any less credit than certain other artists that might have been more influential at the time. They just, I think, were in the right place at the right time with the right record deal and the right promoter. And the thing, the song was a huge hit. And it also had the, the benefit, like you were mentioning with some of yours, Aerosmith at the time was not really that popular anymore. And this shot them right back into the spotlight. And so what do they do? The next year, they put out the Permanent Vacation album with Dude Looks Like a Lady yep. and Angel. They and were right back some- in the game again. Yeah. Yep. And suddenly Aerosmith is a number one rock band again. And then, you know, they go on and they start putting out like all of these huge albums into the 90s. And like even to today, like everybody knows who Aerosmith. Everyone's heard of Aerosmith. Steven Tyler. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, but had this collaboration not happened in this way at this time and not been the success that it was, it's unlikely that Aerosmith would have bounced back in the way they did. Um, so, yeah, this this and this is one of those ones where 
I had never heard this song before. The Run DMC version is the first version of Walk This Way I ever heard. I love it way more than the original Aerosmith version. When I listen to the original, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. But when I listen to this one with Run DMC, I'm like, yeah, that's the definitive Walk This Way in my opinion because – well, partly because it's the one I heard first, but mm-hmm. uh, partly because I just think it's better. And uh, I think if you ask people of a certain generation what is the best cover ever, this is going to be a lot of people's number ones. This is my number one. Walk This Way, Run DMC and Aerosmith. And it's funny because I'm a little – I'm older than you. So as a result, I when I think of Walk This Way, I think of the original being the better one. I like the 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 the, the cover with Run DMC as well, but I still like the original better. Interesting. Okay, my number one. I'm going with Lovers in a Dangerous Time by the Bare Naked Ladies. Now, so hear me out. It's a personal one. I know it's a Canadian song, but if you're American, you may still be aware of this song, either the original or the cover or both. Um, if you've never heard of it, then I would suggest you go to YouTube and look it up. It's a great example, not only of a cover song, I think, being better than the original. It's example of how a cover song can absolutely launch a band's career. Now, we saw this, like like I mentioned already with um, Joe Cocker and with Quiet Riot, it, they did a cover song and it just launched their career. So let me set this up a little bit. So back in 1991, a bunch of artists got together and they put out a collaborative album that featured cover songs of Bruce Coburn. I know, I know it's not exactly a recipe for commercial success. And Chris, success. who is Bruce Coburn <laughs> exactly. for the non-Canadian listeners? He's a Canadian sort of artsy kind of folk. singers folk singer songwriter i know like i say not exactly a recipe for commercial success and the artists that were on it were like jane sibbery and the sky diggers and five guys named mo not exactly well-known bands and the first song of the album is from this little known band at the time little known band out of scarborough called the bare naked ladies and their version of lovers in a dangerous time is just it's it's amazing I don't know how else to describe it. To this day, it's still my favorite of all of their songs. And I know that they're known for goofy songs and lyrics. But what I think is sometimes lost with these guys is just how good of musicians that they are. And if you don't believe me, find this song on YouTube or on iTunes and listen to it. It's not only better than the original, it's it's better than anything else on this collaboration album. This little known band of quirky guys, they just... They blew people away at the time with their version of this song. And my wife, when I mentioned this, she didn't even realize that this song wasn't an original song of theirs. You know, like we wow. mentioned, well, like we mentioned, Bruce Coburn isn't exactly a household name. So sure. I think real music fans probably know him, especially real Canadian music fans. But I think the average mainstream person probably doesn't know all that much about Bruce Coburn. So this song, they keep the arrangement of the song pretty similar to the original, but the layering of Steve Page and Ed Robertson's voices, it's its almost mesmerizing in this song. I love the Bare Naked Ladies. I love this song. It will always hold a spot in my heart, and I believe it's the best cover song ever recorded. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. I, it's I gotta so agree. good. It's, and I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the best thing they've ever put out, but it is certainly in the top three. I think every Bare Naked Ladies fan would agree with that. And yeah. and I'm a big fan of music videos and especially Bare Naked Ladies. They make some great music videos. They do. This being one of their very first singles and one of their very first videos, obviously shoestring budget. It's in black and white. It's just the guys performing this song in the back of a pickup van as they're driving around on their way to a record signing. They're it's driving this, around this, Scarborough doing yeah, this. It's, yeah, it's super simple video, but the song is just like this very mellow, 
and 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 well-paced song it's it's beautiful it's there's no other way to describe it, it mm-hmm. it's great and um yeah no that that's a good pick but yeah that's all yeah. i'm gonna say about that yep like i say it's canadian it's personal i this week you went with more of the the textbook i went with more of the personal things hey funny how things work out but anyway on that note let's have some fun with caveman okay so we go from cover songs to cover bands so in other words bands that exist only to cover songs of a specific famous band okay so what i'm going to do is i've got a list of 15 cover bands i'm going to give you the name of the cover band see if you can name the famous original band that they cover so for example Okay, Ben, if I said Dread Zeppelin, who would okay. they be a cover band of? of I course, would assume Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin, right. So okay. it's not easy, okay? These are like bands you would see performing in a college town. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Some of these yeah. are quite famous, okay? And some okay. of them are. So I'm going to mention the the band, and you tell me which band that they are doing covers of. They, they exist only to do cover songs of a particular band, okay? Okay. All right, the Fab Four. Who does the Fab Four cover? The Beatles. They do cover the Beatles. You are correct. Okay, Hundredth Meridian. I, I think I've heard of these guys before. The Tragically Hip. Yes. <laughs> of course, featuring our good friend Kurt Kalin. I was going to say on lead guitar. Out to Kurt. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Eliminator. Who does Eliminator cover? Oh, it's Easy Top. See, I knew you'd yeah, know I mean, them. Most of these bands use like the album, the exactly. like, an album name or a pun on it. So I, I think, that's okay, where it's going to be easy. Yeah, yeah, that's where I figured you'd get the hang of it. It's easy. Okay. Eliminator, it's an easy top album, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. They're going to draw their name from something similar. Of course, of course. these of course. are going to get a little harder as we go along, but it's all uh, good. Of course okay. okay. Barracuda. Uh, oh, um, Heart. Okay. All right. Cover band called Who's Bad? Well, I got to think that's Michael Jackson. Congratulations. Nice. We're talking about Michael Jackson. You mentioned him earlier, so I figured you'd get it. Okay. Zoso. Z O. Oh, that's the Stairway to Heaven. That's Led Zeppelin. Very good. Much like Dread Zeppelin, they cover Led Zeppelin. Okay. This one should be easy for you. West End Girls. Who do West Pet End Girls? The yes. Pet Shop Boys. It wow. is the, it is the, on the nose. This is, you got it. Okay. Arrival from Sweden. Who do they cover? Arrival from Sweden. Uh, well, the only Swedish band I can think of who I do not like is, is ABBA. So I'm going to go with ABBA. You would be correct. ABBA is, is that right. the name of one of their albums? Or is uh, it just a play on the fact that they're uh, from Sweden? I think it's just a play on the fact they're from okay. Sweden. Okay. The Tumbling Dice. Who do the Tumbling Dice cover? I don't know, but uh, it sounds like something I would do. I'm a big gamer and gambler. So, no, I, I have no idea. Pass. It's The Rolling Stones. Oh, geez. Yeah, of course. Okay. Live Wire. Live Wire. Oh, that's Motley Crue. <laughs> No, it's not. It's actually ACDC. It's ACDC. Really? Okay. Named after an ACDC album. I was thinking the Live Wire was one of Motley Crue's mm-hmm. first singles. Okay, Space Oddity. Space Oddity. Who That'd does... be my favorite artist, David Bowie. Of course it is. All right, very good. Dark Star Orchestra. 
who does Dark Star Orchestra cover? Is that not David Bowie as well? It is not. It's the Grateful Dead. The Grateful Sorry, Dead. What was their name again? Their cover band? Dark Star Orchestra. Oh, yeah, okay. You say so. Okay, here we come. The Monkees. Oh, very good. I was going to say, do I, do I have to sing it for you? Here we no. come. Okay, very good. All right. One. One. Who does one cover? You two. It's Metallica. Oh, okay. And finally, they have a song called One as well. I'll give it Yes. That. And finally, Blue Moon Swamp. Who does Blue Moon Swamp cover? Blue Moon Swamp. Uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> Was it right? Yes, oh, you what a guess. <laughs> you what did. Guess. Oh you did. God. You did great. You got like eleven out of. You missed one or two of them. Yeah. You got like and twelve. The I, honestly, a couple of the ones I missed, I gave very reasonable guesses given the clue that was presented. Yeah, you only missed four of those. So you got eleven. That's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You gave good guesses. So see, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't. It wasn't humiliating. It wasn't the political movie. Trivia, you know, so it's all good. You did, you did really good. Good stuff. Okay, next up, next podcast, my movie. Okay, so you and Yancey are always dropping science fiction films on me around here. Are you gonna have me watch a sci-fi movie? (gasps) This is my lucky day. It is. I've had to endure Interstellar and Contact, and what was that one with Amy Adams? You had me watch with the alien octopuses or the octopi or whatever it is, Arrival. The Exceptional Arrival. Yes. Oh, God. Okay, so you made me watch all that crap. We are going to go back in time to Generation X, and we're going to watch one of the greatest science fiction films ever made. Star Wars. No. It's also one of the greatest sequels of all time. Empire yes. Strikes Back. No, the year is 1982, and we're going to be watching Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Khan! Nice. Good yes. Day. Oh, so we're going to watch The Wrath of Khan, okay. and we're going to come back next week, and we're going to review Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. I'm really interested to see if it holds up after all these years, and I checked with my wife, and she says, I can let my son watch it with me. So this should be interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, well, well I, I can think of a couple of potential cautionary moments for you, but other than that, yeah, I, I think pretty reasonable the sun she looked them up apparently online and said it should be fine so we're going to do that for sure i have not seen star trek to the wrath of khan forever like it's been forever since i've seen that movie so i'm really curious to see how it holds up after all these years i just remember it as being one of the greatest sequels and one of the greatest science fiction movies i've ever seen but we'll have to go back and take it was a look quite at good it. quite yeah, good i've seen it since christmas <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah, they did the whole Star Trek marathon at Christmas, and I nice. definitely watched this probably more than once because I think they looped through them a couple of times. Very good. Yeah, definitely my favorite Star Trek movie of all time. Oh, good. No question. I, I remember Star Trek the motion picture sucked, but yeah, uh, the, this one was so good. It's such a great. This movie. was super good. Yeah, yeah. I think we're. Uh, I'm worried that the next episode is just going to be us going on about how great it is, but I'm sure we'll find some things to but disagree. But on. that's all right. I mean, it's not about disagreeing. It's about yeah. agreeing that Generation X movies are the best. So there's that. <laughs> So, all right. So if you want to reach out to, in the meantime, you want to reach out to Derek, you can find him on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM. And you'll find me on Twitter at C McBrien and popgoesyourworld.com is our website. All of our contact information is on there. If you want to shoot us an email or get in touch with us through there, please do. In the meantime, until we come back with Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Khan! So good. 
This is Chris McBrien for Derek Myers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.